2: 14 hello everybody and welcome to episode 187 of 40 going on 14 i am mike
4: i am patrick
5: i'm joel and i'm josh and this week we drafted our picks for our cover songs and uh, unfortunately my number one choice was shot down though i maintain that let the bodies hit the floor is really just a cover of it's raining men covered from a different perspective <laughs>
4: I thought you were going to say the Elmo version.
5: The Elmo. Can,
4: yeah, the one that Mike. Oh,
0: men. oh yeah, <laughs> he did. It's raining men. No, <laughs> <laughs>
2: no the my my Elmo nine-inch nails covers and that sort of thing.
0: It's raining men.
1: Elmo, <laughs> fuck you like an animal. Come back. All right, Shane.
2: all right. That's going to be okay. <laughs> Good callback, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh,
5: yes, and if you'd like to hear more of Elmo saying inappropriate things, you pretty much have to tune into this show, but if you'd like to hear other stuff, you could turn, tune into the Podcast Collective, where you can hear such shows as the ba- Bad Parenting Podcast, the Coffin Joe Cast, Dating Baggage, the Dog and Deuce Show,
2: and of course, the Rad Dad Radio Hour. Yep, and if you're looking for our older stuff, it, it is on uh, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe, and we are live every 12 o'clock noon central time on geek life radio and by live he means recorded yes central standard time
4: (laughs) why why do they say live i
2: don't don't know because i wish i had a life maybe
4: oh no no that's their shtick it's not ours they're the ones that say
2: live. no if you'd like to call us and let us know what you think about live shows you can call us at 708 now rap that's 708-669-9727 and we don't have any voicemails, but we that have a That is email.
5: incorrect. <laughs> we have a voicemail.
4: <laughs> uh-huh, gotcha, bitch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, while you're figuring that shit out, I'm going to read the email. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we got a uh, email from uh, one Brian Farrell, also known to us as Tommy the Duck. So he says, Sup, homies. Congratulations on show 187. You couldn't have just waited a few more weeks and done the rap show on 187. Uh, oh, that's, oh,
1: that's fucking clever! Why didn't
5: we? One eight seven on a motherfucking rap. <laughs> that would have been awesome.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, I I would have been here, so that would would have messed up yeah, everything. That's true. So uh, as a side dish show, he actually enjoyed it. So uh, as much as I hate to admit it, Kraft mac and cheese is a total guilty pleasure of mine. Growing up, our oh. parents never bought us any of the type of prepared foods. We, they were totally against it. For me to eat something like Kraft mac and cheese, I had to be at a friend's house. Perhaps because of that, I absolutely love this stuff. And every so often, I'll get a box of original, eat the whole thing in one sitting. Never the shapes. Those are garbage. And you get much less product in the box. See, he's very smart when he does the shopping, Yes. Uh, any of you guys have similar stories, something shitty that you didn't get as a child for some reason or another, but now as an adult, have a guilty pleasure? Love. Sex. Uh, Tommy the duck. Ducks to the front. So uh, Okay, so now that we've gotten incredibly depressing about this, I think he was talking about food. Oh,
5: shit. Um, mine was going to be cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. I didn't get that at all when I was a kid. <laughs>
4: Joel did. They had it in like silver platters.
2: (laughs) Uh, Damn right. (laughs) Joel was born with a silver coke spoon in his mouth. (laughs) Damn right. I'm trying to think. Is there anything that I, I mean, what I mean that I like completely gorge on now? Trying to trying to think of something. I mean, there's nothing that I mean.
4: I buy all the Girl Scout cookies I want now. Well, I ah, I want a lot of them. Apparently,
2: I. Okay, you guys are going to hate me for this. I really don't like Girl Scout cookies, even Thin Mints.
0: What? Yeah, I'm not a big fan either, dude. Have you had oh all God. of them? At well, there's,
2: I've, I mean, I've had plenty of them.
0: I, mean, I don't I just even
5: know never, who
4: you people are anymore.
5: I, see, I, I could get someone not liking Thin Mints, although I love them, but like not liking Thin Mints and not liking Samoas, that I don't get. Yeah, just have never. the new
4: S'mores ones this year, and those are delicious. yeah.
5: No. Hey, do I'll we have bet. a voicemail? Yeah, we do. It is from Listener Daniel. Ah, oh, there you go.
4: Well, let's listen to him. We'll listen to the listener.
5: I I, I don't have a board, so...
4: <laughs> it's, it's like... We're going to
5: have
0: to... <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> <First> call, <laughs> New caller, Fire time listener.
4: Well, you'll have to send that to Mike, and, and well, I guess we'll fix uh, that post.
0: Hey, he already did. Yeah, I already did. Yeah, oh. it sounded... It's,
2: all right, here we go. Let's talk to Cover Daniel. Uh, yeah, He
4: can't hear us. I mean, he will when he listens to this.
6: Hey, guys. This is Daniel. I am a longtime listener since close to the beginning. Just finished your Fighting Games episode, and this really brought me back. Um, I grew up on the Sega Genesis, and I was rocking that even long after people had the N64. So uh, most of my childhood... I was playing uh, Sega Genesis. And a couple of the games that I really loved that relates to your show is one called a uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters. And uh, the storyline behind that is uh, Krang makes these clones of the turtles, kidnap splinters, so you chase him across Dimension X. Uh, you could play as the turtles, Casey Jones, April O'Neil, and she wasn't rocking the yellow jumpsuit from the good old days in this game. She's wearing a a martial arts whatever. Uh You also had this guy named Ray Filet, who's a humanoid manta ray. And he kind of towers over everybody. That's one that I remember. And then this guy named Sisyphus, and he's a humanoid beetle. And I think he had a signature move that's like uh, E. Honda's from... Uh, street Fighter just sits there and uh, punches things except he's using the antenna thing and sitting on top of his head. Uh, another one that Mike talked about was Eternal Champions but I was wondering if Mike, if you remember the Activator that that game was uh, related with. The Activator was a body sensor that you used to play with instead of the controller and it would sense whether you kicked or punched, and it would fight like that. Uh, you also moved around the game, sticking out your hand to the left, or, uh, put your foot back to block. Uh, it was pretty cool, but, um, my favorite character on there was this guy that looked like a wizard, and, uh, one of his stun moves was he used a glowing orb, and if the orb touched you, Oh, he shot it from his staff, by the way, and it kind of floated, but if the orb touched you, you turned to gold. And then the level that was associated with him, that had a, you know, all the levels had a fatality, but the one that was associated with him was this big burning stick that they used to burn witches and whatnot, was kind of his storyline. Uh, if you got knocked and if you got knocked down a certain way in that game, you got knocked back in that burning stick and you're Character burned, and then uh, once you were done being burned to the bone, it showed your skeleton, and then the skull rolled off. Anyway, yeah,
2: I think he's done. It's an interesting sign-off. <laughs> so, but no, yes, I do remember the activator, and I have used, uh, well, attempted to use the activator in actually playing Eternal Champions, but only succeeded in make it. Well, three people came by to help me out because they thought I was having a seizure. It's it it wasn't it wasn't easy to use by a long shot because it was like if you wanted to move right, I think you had to move right. You had to move like move your arm to the right and move like you said move your arm to the left and then to punch you would have to punch. And those are like an octagon, and the low and the high across the octagon is what it what it's censored. And it was a great concept, but just made you wind up in the back of an ambulance.
4: (laughs) Did you say there was a character named Cookie Puss?
2: I yes. I heard Cookie Puss, and I do remember. I remember the fatality from that one too, because you you like fall back and you like burned at the stake. And I don't remember the name of the character, the wizard character. But I
4: thought you just slowly died of diabetes.
2: Cookie Puss, you're calling the
0: powers of the Beastie Boys.
5: (laughs) Magicians can't have Oreos.
0: Aww, is is someone's
5: going? Someone's going to get that. You guys obviously don't watch the magicians.
4: Oh no.
5: Oh shit! First episode, yeah. No, yeah, uh, I've been. diabetics can't have oreos
2: <laughs> which if hey, listeners if you want to watch an awesome show on netflix that isn't getting enough press the magicians is fantastic um so yeah about that time i think
5: it's about that time
2: wait
0: what it's about that time <laughs> this week
3: in
1: music movies
2: and tv
1: and here it is
2: Say and Huey Lewis
4: Yeah Yeah. I thought he was gonna I thought he was gonna go with sports (laughs) (laughs) Because
0: it's hard to hear Yeah Yeah. I just I hope that I was Hitting the timing right But I couldn't tell (laughs) All right So Patrick chose the date And and it is
4: This is an extra long tweet By the way So everybody Buckle up
2: Awesome Uh, September 13th 1965 The release of Yesterday The most covered song In the world Oh really Yes That one I was I think I honestly thought it was Landslide.
0: <laughs> Which you probably would say, like number two. Yeah. All right. Music, Joel. Music, everybody dance. The Beatles' number one album is Help for the first of nine weeks. No surprise there.
2: Yeah. Good album. Yep.
0: Richard like- Melville Hall. Oh, sorry. Yes. I was going to say, I like the movie too.
4: I like I the band that. a lot.
0: We're talking about the Beatles, not the band.
4: Nice. Oh, all uh-huh. right.
0: Richard Melville Hall, born September 11th, is better known by his stage name, Moby. He is an American DJ, singer, songwriter, musician, and photographer, and political activist. While he (laughs) has sold over 20 million records worldwide, he is also well known for his veganism and his support of animal rights.
4: So thanks for your interjection that I already put in there.
0: I didn't read ahead. Shut up. (laughs) Otis Reddings. Otis Redding Sing Soul is released this week.
5: I totally misread that. <laughs> I read that as Otis Redding Soul is released this week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to say he died. Thanks, Pat.
2: I'm free. <laughs> hey, it's uh, Soul Ghost.
0: Soul Ghost. <laughs> uh, that would make more sense. Uh, <clears throat> Zach Richard Starkey, son of Ringo Starr, was born on September 13th. His music career spans more than 30 years and he has performed and recorded with English rock band The Who since 1994. He is also the third drummer to have appeared with English rock band Oasis Oh, and left for creative differences.
5: As everyone eventually does in Oasis. Is
0: Oasis. Otis Redding?
5: Dead? Oasis thinks they don't suck. Everyone else has a difference.
0: Oh, yeah, he did die. Holy crap, Otis Redding died in 1967. Yeah, in a plane crash. That's right. Oh, my God. Oh, he wow. is Soul Ghost.
5: So this yeah. was two years after or before. Yikes. All right, moving on to movies. The top movie was Once a Thief.
2: I, know, I thought you needed to know about one.
4: it. Yeah. Anne-Margaret's in it.
2: Oh, well, I'm oh, sorry. Wow. Anne-Margaret. <laughs> I know about her,
4: was gonna I know her card in Trivial Margaret Pursuit. Margaret
0: yeah, I know, right? <laughs> what? What's her card in Trivial Pursuit?
4: All of them. I don't know. When you play me. I thought wow.
0: that I was Anne Canfield.
4: <laughs> no, Anne-Margaret is my go-to answer for anything I don't know.
2: That's only because of Lowell.
5: I think I want to see this, though. It's got Lon Chaney Jr. and Cesar Romero in it.
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm it's got in. an impressive cast. And it won awards, so it's got to be decent. I am in. But I've never Do- heard of it.
5: Dorothy Dandridge, American actress who was in Island in the Sun, among others, dies of an accidental overdose at 42 on September 8th.
4: And was later played by Halle Berry.
5: Mm-hmm. Her mm. soul was released. <laughs> The Beatles win the first of many Grammys on September 12th for Best Group of 1964.
4: Hey, that was supposed to be in
0: music. (laughs) That's like little tiny Grammys instead of big ones.
5: Brian J. Singer, American film director, producer, writer, and actor, was born on September 17th. He received critical acclaim for directing The Usual Suspects, which starred Stephen Baldwin, Benicio Del Toro, and Kevin Spacey. He followed that up with Apt Pupil, and in the 2000s, he became best known for big-budget superhero films. These films included X-Men, the sequel X2, Superman Returns, and X-Men First Class. After the acronym of the week, JTGS, which is Joel's Testicles Grow Spikes. <laughs> How did
2: you know? Everybody can tell it's the way you walk, man. I thought that was a secret.
5: <laughs> what actually is that?
4: That's Jack the Giant Slayer.
5: Uh, he directed two more X-Men films, X-Men Days of Future Past and X-Men Apocalypse. I was totally and, uh, right. When it, I was ready
2: for okay. him to die in that. <laughs>
0: When I uh went down to Columbia to to register and, and get all signed up for classes and stuff, uh he gave a lecture at the in the, the hall, because he's a graduate. Oh. This oh. was back when Usual Suspects was first getting released.
4: Hmm. Cool. Yeah, that was at ninety five Usual Suspects.
2: Wow, that's a long time, man. That's a great movie though. It really is. Kevin One of the
4: Spacey. few Hollywood movies where the bad guy wins.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Kaiser say is Kevin Spacey. Spoilers.
2: All right, so TV, <laughs> the top shows are Bonanza, Gomer Pyle, USMC, and The Lucy Show. No surprise there. Uh, on S- September 12th, the CBS affiliate WCEE on Channel 23 in Rockford, Illinois, it begins broadcasting.
4: Uh, yeah. I just had to throw that one in because of Rockford.
0: For Who's going to make a joke about Taco Bell?
2: No, I was gonna just going to say Rockford sucks. It, you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we're in Rockford. Um, The Roastmaster General Jeffrey Ross was born September 13th. All right, so F Troop also premiered on September 13th. Hogan's Heroes premiered September 17th. Lost in Space premiered September 15th. And both I Dream of Genie and Get Smart premiered September 18th. That is a kick ass week of TV right there. Hogan?
4: Everybody, Everybody was clamoring
2: for a great POW comedy. Oh yeah how how can we mix war crimes and humor?
0: That's such a bizarre. Like when you look at all the different shows, though, they were all completely different from each other, which is is kind of cool.
2: Quick,
4: I'm get a, the guy who's into who's into self porn and mutual masturbation to star in Hogan's Heroes.
2: That was a great movie too.
5: weren't weren't they pretty much all at that point though?
2: You shut. I'm your all mouth all about Margaret Eden. I'm all about get smart myself. Would you believe? We got to do, do that show. We got to do a Get Smart show.
4: Oh, yeah. Yes. I did remake it. It's true.
2: Yeah. So also, Kyle Martin Chandler, born September 17th, is an American actor best known for early edition and coach Eric Taylor in the series Friday Night Lights, for which you won a primetime Emmy Award in 2011. He has starred in the films King Kong, The Day the Earth Stood Still, Super 8, Argo, Zero Dark Thirty, The Wolf of Wall Street, and Manchester by the Sea. In 2015, he began starring in Netflix drama series Bloodline, for which he received his fourth and fifth Primetime Emmy Award nominations.
5: You
0: know, I'm sure I'd recognize this guy, but the name isn't ringing any bells. Oh, you know who he is. If yeah. you look him up right now, you'll go, oh, shit, I know who that is.
4: He's, uh, he looks like Dylan McNermott's brother.
0: Okay. Yeah. Oh, shit, I know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> see?
2: <laughs> I'm trying to see if I know who that guy is, too. You do. Yeah, I you do. do. I, I would think so. Yeah. Huh. All
4: right. We did Super Eight for a show.
2: Oh, that's right. Okay. September nineteenth, and it's eighteenth season on television. The Ed Sullivan show was broadcast in color for the first time after seventeen years in black and white. Wow.
4: A really good show.
2: What year were the Beatles on?
4: Uh literally one week before that, September twelfth. Oh that's wow.
2: Well, no, it's cool that he had that to pull out of his hat. Oh I, I like that. Yeah. yeah. And last week we had the Beatles. This week we have color. <laughs> the oh, Beatles Pat. brought color from England.
0: Pat, this next thing you're about to read, holy crap. It's like a freaking essay question on a college exam.
4: Yeah, but it's very interesting. So I figured, we can judge of that. Yeah.
0: I see Go Kansas on. City though, so yes.
4: Moving to sports. On September 8th, the Kansas City A's were on their way to a 103-loss season. In order to draw crowds, the A's owner came up with Campy Campaneris Night, in which the shortstop would appear at a different position each inning. Bert Campanaris became the first player to play every position in a major league baseball game. He started at his natural shortstop position in the first, played second baseman in the second, third in the third, left field for the fourth, and center the following evening. He dropped the inning that evening, sorry. <laughs> he dropped a fly ball in right field in the sixth, and in the seventh he moved to first base. Campanaris' most challenging assignments came in the final two innings. When he took the mound to pitch in the eighth, he ambidextrously threw lefty to left-handers and righty to right-handers, allowing two walks, one hit, and one run. Campanaris moved behind the plate in the ninth with two outs. California attempted a double steal, and on the throw to home plate, the runner's only shot at scoring was to crash into the stand-in catcher and try to jar the ball loose. Campus held onto the ball to preserve the 3-3 tie, but the collision forced him to leave the field. After he headed off for x-rays, the two teams dueled until the 13th inning when the Angels scored twice to win 5-3. to three. Bert Campanaris' final line was one run, one stolen base, five put-outs, and one assist.
5: That is an awesome story.
4: Right. That's why I thought that was worth the, the paragraph.
5: That Did is you hear cool. how Will Farrell tried to top that very achievement? No. Uh, he ended up playing, uh, I forget how many different teams, but he was playing a different position on a different team in the MLB every day.
4: <laughs> uh, how, did, how did I miss that? I yeah, knew I he, that. I, he had thrown out several pit, several first pitches before. I didn't know that he actually played.
5: Yeah, it was March 12, 2015. He was to play every position for 10 teams. Hmm. That's crazy.
4: <laughs> yeah, I guess He's, a designated hitter would be the 10th position.
5: Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it was Cactus League. But it was the uh, minor leaguers that feed the majors, yeah. if I recall. No, 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 nom. nom, nom, nom.
4: <laughs> not that kind of feeding, Joel.
5: <laughs> it's not a ritual feeding. <laughs>
4: man, 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 man. They just lay down naked in the in, in the locker room with sushi on them.
2: All right, that got weird. <laughs> I'd like to eat off that mound.
4: Oh, Whoa. I saw what oh. we did there. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Make sure you don't forget the not safe for work tag on this one.
2: Oh. <laughs> I it automatically pops up on every show. We could do a show about Sesame Street. We're still getting an NSFW on that one. <laughs> Extra NSFW.
5: Fuck Elmo, Elmo
1: likes
4: to fuck.
5: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Reminds
5: me, we gotta do that show.
4: Yep. Alright, the legendary Sandy Koufax, considered by many to be one of the top pitchers in baseball history, threw a perfect game on September 9th, his fourth career no-hitter at the time.
2: An Elmo sex show? <laughs>
0: Yes, please. <laughs> what would be the then? Tickle me, Elmo.
4: Aha, <laughs> uh-huh. the conception of Elmo, I guess. the then.
5: Elmo too, Elmo tickles back.
4: <laughs> <laughs> all right, this is a copy and paste paragraph from, from a cricket bio, so here we go. Only three bowlers, Rhodes, Freeman, and Parker, we should know all of them, <laughs> have ever taken more first-class wickets than Middlesex and England's JT Old Jack Hearn, A fast-medium bowler with a textbook action, he took 3,061 wickets in all, using guile and varied pace to lure batsmen into his trap. Three of his victims gave him England's first hat trick against Australia at Headingley in 1899. Spoiler. And it was a seriously illustrious trio. Clem Hill, Sid Gregory, and Monty Noble. Can you believe he got all three of them?
2: Not at all. no. Whoa.
4: Hearn died on September 14th at 75 years old.
2: That was a very like criminal-sounding paragraph you just read off. <laughs> he Listen.
4: lured them into his trap.
2: Three of his, <laughs> his victims gave him England's first hat trick. We think it was about
5: cricket, but he was actually just hitting them with a cricket bat.
2: <laughs> oh, it was it wasn't it wasn't a game of cricket, it was a riot.
4: I, I thought Jack Hearn was just a giant trapdoor spider. <laughs> and lastly, in this long tweet, Vernon Maxwell, starting guard for the 1994 NBA champion Houston Rockets, was born September 12th this week.
2: Oh, you got your Rockets in there.
4: I got them in there. I had to.
5: I I was going to say I know the Rockets pretty much because of Pat, and because the only two dominant franchises in the early 90s were the Bulls and the Rockets from like 89 to like 96. Yep, until
4: 1999 when uh, Detroit finally won. Uh, They were the only two. Teams
2: that win championships
0: in the nineties. Yeah. All right. Take us out, Joel.
2: <laughs> okay. So this is we came up with this a couple weeks ago. It was the uh the cover show. And all of us have we have we have it's gonna be a shit show. I'm just gonna tell you that right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> The show's yes. probably gonna be good. <laughs> oh no, it's gonna, gonna be, be awesome. Arguing, but, <laughs> yeah, there is. It's gonna be, it's gonna be because uh, you know, we all have pretty eclectic tastes, and then when you toss in cover songs it gets like one degree of separation outside of those tastes also. So uh, we decided to do covers, fa- uh, covers of our favorite songs. And um, yeah, so we did a round Robin. Uh, what is that? What do we do? Draft, Draft. Yes. So we each got three songs and um, with a different, uh, with an original artist and a cover. So we're going to go over the cover or the originals first. And then for the then or for the now, we're going to do the cover. so, Starting us off, we're going I put us in the order of the uh of our the intro. Draft?
5: Yeah. Oh yeah, no, so, we're not in the order of yeah this. I gotcha.
2: Yeah, so I figured it's it, it, we're gonna go by the order of how we introduce ourselves in the in the beginning of the show. Oh so, <clears throat> so um or starting out with mine, not surprisingly, is an in excess song. Because uh, I yeah, got a thing for that one. But never tear us apart is by far probably my favorite in excess song out of all of them. So it was uh, in the United States, it reached number seven on the Billboard Hot 100 when it came out back on the album "Kick" in 1988. And I like this album so much when I, was, when I was 88, I graduated high school in 90. Uh, I wore out two copies of the cassette tape in the I'm t- in that yeah, just that the tape wore through. So uh, all right, let's um, start off with the Never Terrace part
3: all
2: right so what do you guys think about that song
5: it's one of those that i knew i'd heard it but i probably couldn't have matched the song to the title Mm. until it started again and i yeah i remember hearing that song and liking it
2: yeah this one, and this one's been covered actually a whole bunch of different times there's a lot of, when i was looking up you know who's covered it and you know recent and then um i just think i think this is probably one of michael hutchins most soulful songs uh this was actually sung at his funeral um when they when they carried the uh his, the casket out so and um there was something it's actually you Aus- know well obviously in australia they're huge there but um several different uh rugby teams i think there's one specific one that use it though with uh them this is their uh one of their theme songs
0: i've never counted myself as a huge nxs fan but i always like that song and i think i've said it before but every time i hear or see anything about nxs i always think of you mike every single time
2: oh
4: i love this song personally
2: it's a great song. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on musically in it. They have the you know the the violins in the background. They've got uh Hutchins singing. they've got the uh the backup singers. I mean musically and lyrically, I think it's a you know just a great song. I'm not saying it's a, you know the be all end all of music, but I mean I think for personally, it's probably my f- it, the best in excess song that they've ever done.
0: and Hutchins really shows off his chops vocally in that one too.
2: Oh yeah. What do you what do you think, Pat? What do you think? Is there a better I don't think
0: one? It's
4: their best song, but I like. Um, I'm trying to think of the song that I. There's a song there that I like a lot, and I can't. I'm just drawing a blank right now.
2: Um, "Devil in the Sky." No, it's an. Uh, obscure one of theirs. Oh, going obscure. Yeah. Okay, well, while you're going obscure, we're gonna kick in with your first choice. Yay! And uh, this is Folsom Prison Blues."
3: I hear the train are coming coming Always be a good boy, don't ever play with guns, but I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. Ah! When I hear that whistle blowing, I hang my head and cry.
4: This is one of my favorite songs, period, like in, in life. Like I've mentioned before in other shows. I sing this song in karaoke. Uh, I think it's one of the best country western songs
2: out there I, I love the crowd in this song Yeah, <laughs> especially when they go nuts when he says like kill the man just to hear him die well yeah just, that's what happens yeah. when you
4: record in prison
2: yeah <laughs>
5: <laughs> a super old school country song almost made my draft picks for this which was what? Uh, it would have been uh, Cold Cold Heart by Hank Williams Sr. Yeah, covered Frank by Nora Jones both ooh. versions are incredible
0: very cool. That's a, great,
4: that's a great song. I just listened to it last night, as a matter
0: of fact. Cover songs part two. Yep. Oh, by got-
4: the way, the, the, the NXS song was disappeared.
0: Okay. That's a good
5: pick.
2: Yeah. Is that off of... Oh, never mind. Okay. We're talking about false Personals. Have you guys ever listened to the entire concerts that they put on there? Yes. Yep. Oh. It's good stuff all around. I
4: love all the all the, the announcements and stuff. <laughs> the one the one when, when Johnny Cash is talking about how the water is brown. <laughs> <laughs> and talk about the security, you know, he's like, those guys are mean sons of bitches.
0: <laughs> and that is a great song. I I mean, anybody who doesn't like Johnny Cash isn't an American, but that, that's a just a great song all the way around.
4: I I mean, there's really not much more to say about it. Every, I think everybody knows that song. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know a whole lot of people that don't like it, even if they don't like country music.
2: Yeah. Well, John, I, yeah, Johnny Cash is this thing is where he's more, um, I don't know. He's he's not as country as you think he is. I mean, he, he's country, but I mean more. Not, not as many people see him as full on country. So he's a little bit. He's a little no, don't bit don't do it. He's don't don't. It. don't <laughs> no. God damn it!
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: we will not allow that joke. We will Fair. not compare him to Donnie and Marie. That is <laughs> heresy, right there.
0: His soul will come back and beat you down.
2: <laughs> Worth
0: it. <Yeah. laughs>
2: All right, so Joel's first uh, uh, one was I want to be sedated by the Ramones. Right, So that's the Ramones. Uh, this one, let's see, was on their 1978 album Road to Rune. And the music video for the song directed by Bill Fishman was not released until 10 years later in 1988.
5: This is probably my personal favorite Ramones song.
4: I would agree with that.
2: It's the one that everybody knows.
4: For sure. And yeah. for good reason. I mean, it's, it's one of their best.
2: I don't know. I like Rock and Roll High School myself.
0: I just realized I've been muted. <laughs>
4: That, 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 I think I think uh, Rock and Roll High School is a little too repetitive, like most of their songs. But this one is just fun.
0: Oh yeah. Well, but that was kind of the Ramones thing. I mean, the, all their songs were under three minutes. Um, they tended to be repetitive, and it but
4: one or two chords tops.
0: <laughs> they they just they knew what they were best at, and they went with it. And they went from being. You know these guys that were playing basements and and you know just little tiny holes in the wall to being discovered by uh, Danny Fields and then all of a sudden they're on Elektra Records and they're playing stadiums and they go down in history as you know this very influential band and I just I love the Ramones I do
2: I think part of the like you said it's just a couple chords part of the the attractiveness of them is just their simplicity of the whole thing. You know they're just if you if you. I don't know
4: why, why there's not a whole lot more like Ramones cover bands because it wouldn't be that difficult.
2: Somewhere in my pile of CDs, I have a uh, CD that's nothing but Ramones covers. Huh. Yeah, and the, the the cool thing about it is the, the CD case itself and the artwork on it was done by the guy who drew uh, Rat Fink, oh, so it's yeah. got yeah, it's really cool. Great great album. All right, Josh, you ready for your first? Oh yeah. All right, yours is "Hurt" oh, by Nine no. Inch Nails. Hurt myself
1: today to see if I still feel I right. focus on the pain, the only thing that's real. The needle is a hole. All <laughs> Try to kill you.
2: that one went a little bit longer than the rest of them, just because I was trying to get the, a good feel for the song. Sure. I think for me, a lot
5: of people got into nine inch nails with head, like a hole or closer, but hurt was where I got on board that this was the song for me.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. This was off of, uh, this is 1994 is the downward spiral. And this one received a Grammy award nomination for best rock song in 1996, but then lost, to Alanis Morissette's "You Ought to Know," which I don't know why they were in the same category.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> Jethro Tull and Metallica.
2: Yeah. Yep. So, but no, Nine Inch Nails and is no. I'm I'm not as big a Nine Inch Nails fan as you are, Josh. I mean, I've got Downward Spiral and I've got a couple of the other albums. But is it true that it's like almost like a rote? It's Trent Reznor is the main guy, and there's like a rotating group of people that come in and out.
5: Apparently, I'm not as big a fan as I need to be to answer this question. Joel might
0: be. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's primarily him on his own. I mean, he's got musicians that he works with, but I mean... It, is it mainly like
4: studio magicians? magicians?
0: <laughs> studio <laughs> magicians. <laughs> we demand to be taken
5: seriously. <laughs> they can't eat Oreos either.
0: <laughs> but I mean, he, he is, I mean, and for all intents and purposes, I mean, he is Nine Inch Nails. Um, I know I I, uh, who is it? Is it Flood that always produced his stuff back in the day? I don't know, but um, I this this one, yeah. I mean, Downward Spirals just a great record in general, and I'm kind of with Josh. I mean, I I knew Head Like a Hole because my friends listened to, uh, Pretty Hate Machine a lot when I was in high school, but um, yeah, this one is where I kind of was like, okay, I get it now.
2: All right, so I after- I, would,
4: I think that those three songs are the only songs I know of Nine Inch Nails.
0: Head Like a Hole.
2: Hurt and uh, closer, closer,
0: and that's it. Yep.
2: I'm trying to think of any. Well, I'm sure I know. I, I'm sure there's others. It's not just the same three songs. That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> no. Oh, you guys probably have heard "The Perfect Drug" or uh,
5: "Came Back Haunted." <clears throat>
2: oh yeah, Yeah. "Perfect awesome. Drug." I know, and yeah, I'm sure you know that one. Yeah. But uh, all right, so now we circle back around. My second pick is. Video Killed the Radio Star by the Buggles. Right, so I love that song. It's a fun song. Yeah, yeah. Driving with the windows down, singing that loud uh, by the Buggles, 1977. A lot older than most people realize. On the album called English Garden, and the song's music video was written, directed, and edited by Russell McCauley, and well remembered as the first music video shown on MTV in the United States at 12:01 a.m. on August 1st, 1981.
5: Yeah, I think that bit of trivia is the reason most of us know that song. Now that it's not awesome, but I'm not sure it would have survived all the way through if not for that bit.
4: And it was such a a perfect choice, honestly. I mean,
2: oh, for the first song. Yeah, yeah, I know. Made and no other song would have made sense.
4: The first song I ever, the first music video I ever saw on MTV, the first time, the first day that we got cable, we. My sister and I talked, our parents, like, let's put it on MTV. Let's put it on MTV. And they're like, I don't know. Because blah, blah, they, they didn't, you know, people were like, you know, music videos might be the devil, you know. Cause, <laughs> and so they turn it on. And, of course, the very first video is fish heads.
1: <laughs> and, and
4: they both look at, both of our parents look at both of us are like, yeah, you're never watching this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it never was changed to another channel again. <laughs> All right. That, that song makes me think of uh, Empire Records whenever I hear it, even though, you know. It's not
2: in Empire Records,
0: is it? Yeah. It is? Yeah,
5: Empire Records actually features disproportionately for this show.
2: <laughs> okay. Maybe it's not. Oh, it's, you know what? I don't think it's on the soundtrack. That's why I don't know it. So, all right. So, Patrick, taking us back again to uh, You Really Got a Hold on Me by Smokey Robinson. It's a fantastic song. Uh, 1962 off the album, the fabulous fabulous miracles. The single reached top 10 on the billboard hot 100 pop chart and peaked at number eight, but it was a number one smash on the R and B singles chart during 62, 63.
0: And I mean, pound for pound for your music money, you cannot go wrong with anything uh, with, you know, the sixties era Motown with Smokey Robinson and Barry Gordy. And just, I mean, that whole era just is amazing. It's a great song.
5: Oh yeah. Yeah. This song among others uh, is something that I do think of uh, when I think of my uh, Canada trip with Sarah last year, she was asking me if there was any songs that reminded me of them. And I said no at the time, but th- hearing that uh, one of the full days of our trip, uh, we set uh, one, uh, an internet radio station to Sam cook And there was a hell of a lot of Smokey Robinson on the Sam Cooke Pandora Station.
2: And that's one of those stations that you can put on and just I'm sure you did, just leave it for hours.
4: Yeah, any Motown station, you can just, yeah. All right. I mean, everybody knows you really got a hold on me. There's not a whole lot we can say about it.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I I think that's going to be a thing with the originals on this. We're like, yes, this is an awesome song because reasons. All right, now, then uh, Joel steps up for his number one is... Kiss by Prince. Well, and I think from the Prince show, we all know that this, we, this is one of them that we love.
5: Well, I actually wasn't on the Prince show, aside from the intro, if people recall. Oh, that's right. And uh, yeah, it's one of only two shows ever I've missed. And even that one I missed, uh, I still did the intro for. But I, I kind of faded out after the first five minutes of talking about Prince. So I'm going to say something a little controversial, but not maybe as controversial but as I'm building it up to be. I love Prince.
1: I, this, hey, no.
5: <laughs> this is, however, Kiss doesn't crack my top 10 Prince songs. Really?
4: I don't what? know. It, it might be number 10 for me. I mean, it, I don't know if it necessarily does, but I, I like it.
5: I, I don't hate it, but it's probably in the middle. I mean, it's not going to hit the bottom because there are some that are that I actually don't like, but it's not uh, of his big hits. It's near the bottom of my list.
4: Hmm. Act your age, not your shoe size, Josh.
2: <laughs> Josh is twenty-three. I have <laughs> big feet. <laughs> uh, this is actually Prince's third number-one U.S. hit, following uh, '84's with uh, "With When Doves Cry" and "Let's Go Crazy."
0: Well, and I said it on the Prince show, and I'll say it again: this is my favorite Prince song of all time.
2: Which begs questions when we get to the remake.
0: Well, there's some context there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's all right now josh's number one or uh next pick was it is bizarre love triangle by new order <laughs> 1986, the Brotherhood album had reached the top five on the U.S. Hot Dance Music Club Play Singles Chart, which I didn't know was a thing.
4: Uh, Yeah, I was just about to say, that's a thing?
2: That's real, they're getting real specific. Uh, That's like a baseball statistic. Right. Uh, (laughs) Uh, It failed to make the top 40 in either the U.K., it only hit 56, uh, or in the U.S., uh, Hot Billboard Hot 100.
4: Well, it's lasted a lot longer than any of the songs that did.
2: Yeah. yeah, this is a song where I actually
5: heard the cover before I heard the original. And uh, my ears perked up when I heard the original a couple of years after having heard the cover. So I want, definitely wanted to get it onto this show so we could talk about it a little
0: bit. Is yeah. that is that my fault? Or did you hear that independently of me?
5: You know, I mean, given that it was 92, I don't know if you specifically introduced me to it. But uh, I'm sure that we listened to it together.
0: Because that Frente album... Uh, that we'll talk about later. Um, I, I had that thing on repeat all the time, and I kind of the same way I came to the remake before the original, in this case.
2: You guys are weird.
0: Shut up, Pat.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, with, I agree with Pat. You guys are weird.
4: Yeah, and Dumba.
2: I, I, however, love this song, and it's another windows down, volume up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a great it's a fun song. Dance song. Yeah, for sure. All right. So after that, that I,
4: that I don't dance to. By the way,
2: what? Yeah, I won't. I don't dance. No, you don't. It or anything. Well, I mean, you you do something. It's I don't know if it's classified as dancing, but
4: exactly. That's what
5: I mean. Like,
2: goes back to the next.
5: It's best when he lines some things.
2: <laughs> All right. So the next pick, we go back to the top of the I order. Punch you. And we're going to uh, people are strange by the doors. all right um this is off the album strange days and it peaked at number 12 position on the hot 100 chart I back didn't in with that high yeah 1967
5: can i just say how relieved i was that you drafted this one mike because it freed up one of my picks Oh yeah,
2: I, I I completely had to put this one in there. If it's a cover song, it it this one definitely needs to be on there for many reasons. Um I also love the Doors. I've got a lot of Doors stuff that I don't know if you guys I I never really list, I don't know if you guys knew that. I love I love Jim Morrison. I think I he is he they're goofy. I mean like this one, I was reading about the background of this song and they were trying to give an a feeling of like British um like British theater in the background, which is why you've got that really plunky type piano in the background. So very cool stuff. It's
4: like a harpsichord or something sound. I don't yeah, know exactly.
2: Yeah. All right. So
4: Robbie Krieger. So on, he probably just changed a setting on his on his keyboard. Yeah.
0: What does this probably switch do? do?
4: <laughs>
0: you can't go wrong with the doors.
4: No. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the doors. Who doesn't?
2: Zach Furmund. And Zach, Panther.
4: if you're out there, call us up. Tell us why you don't like the doors.
2: Yeah, slam the doors for us. Uh, All right, so the next one.
4: <laughs> I'll allow it. That was, that, was, that was good. That was
2: clever. That was, that was, yeah, he, he's allowed one per show.
4: Round of applause for Joel.
2: All right, so Patrick. Yes. Uh, he brings us back a little bit <laughs> further in time than I realized we were going to go with this one.
1: Wish upon a star and wake up where the clouds are far behind.
2: So that is Judy Garland, 1939, off the movie Wizard of Oz. Uh, The song is the number one in the Songs of the Century list, compiled by the Recording Industry Association of America and the National Endowment for the Arts. The American Film Institute also ranked Over the Rainbow the greatest movie song of all time on the list of AFI's 100 Years, 100 Songs.
4: This may shock some of our regular listeners, but um, this is my favorite movie of all time, and obviously, it being the, the best song in there, it's uh, one of my favorite songs, and I love Judy Garland, that poor poor woman. Um, and I don't, I mean, there's there's not much I can say about this that hasn't already been said before by somebody. It's just a it's a great song. She got a great voice. There's, I mean, if you if you listen to any of the other versions that she did over the course of her career. It, uh, it gets sadder and sadder every every rendition she does because if you look into Judy Garland's life, it, it really is a uh, very sad tale. She was, uh, for, for I mean, well, I don't even need to say for lack of a better, I mean she was abused basically by her handlers throughout the course of her life. She never wanted to be a superstar. She never wanted to be exploited, all that kind of stuff. But they just kind of did the whole dance monkey dance
5: to her and just pumped her full of drugs to keep her going.
2: Oh, now I'm sad.
5: I was going to say we got so dark that I didn't even want to do my joke about great song, but not enough wheelers.
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's it, a. Song it's back. just such
4: a, it's such a great song, and there's just so many layers to the whole thing. And I mean, there's there's like I said, it's my favorite movie. There's really not much that I don't know about the whole Wizard of Oz, Judy Garland, and the whole thing.
0: Like, that is one well, of your I things.
4: It. Sorry,
0: I said that is one of your things. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, ever since it's I first very, met
4: him, very antithetical of the rest of my life, but that's one, my favorite movie.
2: And his favorite character is the Cowardly Lion,
4: one hundred percent.
2: I knew that because he would dress up as him when we were living together.
0: That's it's no joiner, M.
2: He was like, "All right." So then Joel comes up with a song from Paul McCartney and Wings, which this one kind of hit me by surprise.
4: Yeah, me too. I was not expecting that from Joel.
2: Not a, yeah, not expecting on this one at all. Song.
0: <laughs> there's, some, there's some people who hate Wings though because it wasn't the Beatles and it was such a departure. But and I mean, what me you wrote, in,
4: Linda, you know, pissed a lot of people
0: off. And what you wrote in here is 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 part of the 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 fun backstory of it. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't know if you want to read it, but no, go it, ahead. it's all yours, man. Came out in '76, and Paul wrote it as a rebuttal to music critics as well as former Beatle and friend John Lennon accusing Paul McCartney of writing lightweight love songs. And that segues nicely into when you hear the counterpart in the now where the person that wrote that or took that song and kind of deconstructed it and turned it into something entirely different. And it it takes what's kind of a simple poppy, happy little throwaway song, you know, and turns it It into something else. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. no.
5: <laughs> <laughs> this uh, this song was completely off my radar. I will confess until a different cover of it came out, not the one Joel's going to be talking about. It was the cover of a couple lines of this in the Elephant Love medley from Moulin Rouge. Oh, that was what uh, got me to pay attention to the song when it came on the radio. I'm sure I'd heard it before, but mm. it w- ha- just wouldn't stick in my brain until after I'd
2: seen Moulin Rouge. See, my thing is it's Paul McCartney. Even his worst stuff is better than fifty percent of the stuff out there.
4: Except for Ebony and Ivory.
2: You shut we, your mouth. I know we've had <laughs> we've had words about this before. <laughs> <It's>,
4: but, <laughs> I I I love wings. I love Paul McCartney. Um he can almost do no wrong. But no, that's it.
0: But Ebony and Ivory,
4: yeah. Yeah, Ebony I already said Ebony and Ivory that you know, but this, this is just a fun song, you know. I mean, that's what I like about Wings. Is it was kind of like Paul McCartney uh, shedding the serious uh, John Lennon and just getting kind of just having fun with his pop music for a little while. Because at the same time, John Lennon is over there making Instant Karma and Mind Games and Revolut, you know, doing doing his, um, John and uh, the, the
2: the Ballad of John and Yoko. Thank
4: you, Ballad of John and Yoko, things like that. So, yeah, and McCartney's over there like, fuck it, I'm just gonna have some fun. My wife yeah. and I are going to make some music.
2: Yeah, and, cause, and who's going to stop them? Hey, I'm, I'm Paul McCartney. Can I come in here and record some songs? Why, sure. You know <laughs> like... All it right, just now... so happens that I like money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> All right, so uh, Astronomy by the Blue Oyster Cult is Josh's last and our, our final pick for the, for the then. I have never heard this song before. Me either. I don't think I have either. Uh-oh. So, wow. Here we go. I could have played more of this one, but this is another one of those from this list. I think it's like eight and a half minutes long. Oh yeah, yeah. This is definitely the most poetic
5: off of a an album that is just completely this weird high concept opera poetry thing.
2: Yeah. Now this was from I, 1974, "Secret Treaties." Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the song's lyrics. Now this is kind of interesting. It's verses from a poem by Sandy Perlman mother of Ron Perlman, the band's producer and mastermind behind their image, called Soft Doctrines of Imaginos. And I lied about him her being Ron Perlman's mom. Uh, in the poem, which was later partially released under the Blue Oyster Cult moniker in the album Imaginos, aliens known as Les Invi- Invisibles guide an altered <laughs> human named Imaginos, called, also called Destino- Destinova. Destinova through history playing key roles that eventually lead to the outbreak of world war one. So it's a lighthearted poppy song that you can play at anything. This is
5: definitely one that I chose because of the cover.
2: Um, And we'll get to
5: that in the second half. Uh, I had definitely heard the cover before on this one as well.
4: My one word review
2: of this song. That wasn't a word.
5: (laughs)
0: Close enough.
5: And this is by no means uh, one of my favorite Blue Oyster Cult songs. Well, it might be top five, but it's not going to like bypass any of the ones people would actually know.
0: And I, I can't say that I'm a fan. And, I mean, I know the, the the two big radio songs, but, well, biggest radio songs, I should say, I guess. Don't but, Fear the
5: Reaper and Godzilla.
0: Oh, no, I was thinking of, isn't there another one? Um, hold on. Uh, Burning For You is the other one I was thinking of. I like that song. But I you. could never say so that fun. I was a fan. You know it. I know um, it. No, I know it. Okay. Did you know that
2: the, the tallest person in Blue Oyster Cult was only like 5'1"?
4: They're a bunch of hobbits.
0: Yeah. Martin Freeman was in Blue Oyster Cult?
2: <laughs> yes, he was.
0: <laughs> With nice. Elijah
2: Wood. All right. So there's our then-
0: Yeah, and it's
5: worth saying, since we didn't say at the beginning of the the episode, if you've been listening to us for a while, you know our normal dividing line between then and now is 1999 to 2000. We've obviously discarded that for this episode, because so many of our favorite covers were done in the 90s. So basically, our only criteria here is either the original or the cover had to have been done in our lifetime, and we're doing the covers for the second half.
2: Mm -hmm. So were you alive when it was made? Yes. Okay, good. Um, And if you don't
4: like it, suck it.
2: All right. we, Well, sure. Why not? If you like (laughs) it, let me suck it. (laughs) Wait, what? Let's Let's just go to the break. Yeah, that's probably a good time. All right. We'll be back in a little bit. All right. We are back. And we're going to talk about the cover songs for the now. And I think this might be where it gets a little hairy. Oh, boy. Um,
4: All but... your choices suck.
2: <laughs> Even yours?
4: Your choices, not mine. Oh, they're mine awesome.
2: <laughs> All right. So going back to my first choice was Never Us Apart by In Excess. My cover song of that one that I found was Never Us Apart done in 2002 by Joe Cocker, which... Yeah, you know this guy, John Belushi. Yeah, I know him. I yeah. <laughs> have, just kidding. I,
1: I
0: was going to be surprised if Pat actually didn't know who he was. <laughs>
2: All right, not the person I was expecting to bring up for this one, and it's also a, it, it, there's a, there's a concert video of Joe Cocker on this one too, and it's. I love what? to
4: listen to Joe Cocker, but I don't like to watch him.
2: Nobody I, does. <laughs> I'm with I'm with you on that one. I I, I had it on. I was watching it on the TV at at home, and the girls were in the room, like, "Oh, we know this. What's that guy doing with his arms? It's <laughs> just <laughs> is, is there something wrong with him? Yes. What I don't know, he's Joe Cocker. Um, <laughs> uh, he, this is like almost kind of like that uh, little help from my friends type of thing. He's got a real soulful voice. I mean, it's almost angry, but I think he did a really good job in like paying homage to the original song in this one. Yeah, I agree with that. I love the rough
5: edges he brings to a song. That definitely, I love the original, but the rough edges for me, I actually prefer the cover.
2: I, I like it. I'm not going to say it's better. Than, I mean, in, my, in my case, I'm not going to say it's better than the original, but I think what you said with his rough edges, I mean, it's totally... If you think of a rough edges singer, Joe Cocker is probably you know, the, one of the top three that you're going to think of, along with... Um, Tom Waits. Yes. I was going to say the pirate from Shrek. Um, <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: he did Joe, the voice. Joe
4: Cocker is like a Tom Waits that I like.
0: Then you're wrong.
4: Tom Waits sucks.
0: Tom Waits is amazing. I'm
4: tired never, of people trying to tell me how good Tom Waits is. It's just not true.
0: I never got the appeal of Joe Cocker, so counterpoint to yours, Pat.
5: Well, you're both wrong. They're both awesome. Shut up.
0: <laughs> well, Josh told you, Pat.
2: I think he told you, too. I'm not. Maybe. Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> Tom Waits sucks. This is not the argument I was expecting to be having. At this
0: point. <laughs> Dick Pat.
2: So what happened? Well, we listened to Joe Cocker and then got into a fight about Tom Waits. <laughs> Was he even on the choice? No, I don't. Um, no, I mean, I, I like it. I it's like you said, I love to listen to Joe Cocker. I don't like to look at Joe Cocker, um, but uh, he definitely does put it. I mean, he keeps the soul of it. I mean, the, uh,
4: like the anti Ariana Grande.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he adds more soul to a song versus sucking all of it out of it. Um in the in the concert that he was in, it was him and backing with like a full orchestra and backup singers. I mean, it was it was really a a, a great concert. I watched more of the songs.
4: Serious production.
2: Yeah, though I, though I I take that back. I didn't listen. I mean I, I mean I I listened. I didn't I didn't why? It's one of those you know. I put it on and then I went in the kitchen made dinner and didn't turn around too much. Um. <laughs> so then Pat, uh, I'm sorry. Uh. Oh, these are out of order. Are they? Oh, no, they're not. Pat's, second what? choice. Uh, I thought they were out of order. I had a seizure. I'm back. Um,
4: I, was, I was going through a list of cover songs online, um, and I saw this one. I had no idea it even existed. And I was like, well, I like Everlast, and I love Folsom Prison. Let's check it out. I'm
2: probably going to hate it. All right, let's see what we all think about this one. Yeah, let's find out. Who are you trying to get crazy with, Whitey? Don't you know I'm loco? <laughs>
3: Since I don't know where, now I'm stuck in Folsom prison. Time keeps dragging on. That train just keeps rolling on down the sand and the When I was just a baby, my mama told me, son.
4: To my surprise, I really liked this version. (laughs) I did not expect to at all, and just something about it. Like what I like, I I generally don't care for cover songs. Um, I think they either go stray way too far away from the original version, or they're they're too much like it. I think this is just the perfect combination of paying homage to the original song, but while also being different enough to bring his own. Talents and personality into the song And I thought at first When the, when it first kicked in, I was going to hate the little Sampling of, you know, Insane in the Membrane But it really kind of went Well with the song and the backbeat And I, I was very surprised To find that I really liked this version So I went ahead and included it
5: I wonder All if done. Mike and I are about to Say the same thing <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for you guys to
0: finish, <laughs> unless you want me to jump in.
5: But. Well, see, because I had heard the song when it first came out, and I like it, but I believe it would be a thousand times better without the sample from Insane in the Best.
0: Yes,
4: Brand. yes, I, I, I thought so too at first, but I mean, the, the, I've listened to it like three times just to make sure. I was like, no, I, I kind of like how it's in there.
0: See, Everlast actually has talent, <laughs> and uh, the fact that he takes his version, which actually is is pretty good. And he throws that sample in there. If he if he did it like every, uh, I don't know, every thirty seconds or a minute or something, and he just sprinkled it in here and there, it would be okay. But the fact that it's every single beat, it's just like stop it. It's annoying. I think,
4: I think it would lose something without that. Personally,
2: I think it's a. I I Josh, I don't mean to to shoot you down, but I think the little that's a little bit of ridiculousness that I like in that one.
5: I, I appreciate the perspective, but I don't know. I. I th- it just it didn't work for me personally.
0: Yeah, take that out or at least throw it in every once in a while, and it would have been a, a good cover.
5: Yeah, maybe Joel's got the right of it. Maybe you don't cut it entirely, but on every beat, it was is too much for me. Well,
4: it yeah. would it would be too much, like insane in the membrane, if you only did it every thirty seconds or so, because that's how often you know it was in that song.
2: I will say when this one popped up on the. Uh, the playlist that we made on the spotify playlist i had to double check that this was actually patrick's choice <laughs> 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 so yeah, I, was, like... I
4: was shocked that i liked it i, I expected it was just gonna because there were several songs that i listened to out of that list that i was like hey, no and i thought this was going to be one of those and, and i to my surprise I, I liked it enough to include it
0: i mean this has got to be a really fairly commonly covered song so yeah I was kind of surprised that you chose this one too, but I mean it it it's it's a good choice it brought discussion, so a conversation was had.
4: Josh, anything else?
0: No,
5: that was the only thing is like i like I said, I have heard every song on this show. I didn't have to do a lot of prep when I saw your picks, so I was familiar with all of them and I don't think I actually actively hate any of the versions of any of the songs so
4: oh. <coughs> well, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs>
2: Okay, I'm going to. Before we step into the next one, one of the things that I tried to do in doing the cuts was whatever verse I had from the original, I tried to follow through with the entire verse on the cover. So you got like the full, here's this verse from this one, here's this verse from that one. So in some cases, it's going to get a little silly, especially when we get into this next one. Um, I've never heard of the Blake Babies, I don't know what they are,
0: but.
4: they're like the Muppet Babies, but it's, it's Robert do you,
0: Blake. Do you want context before <laughs> or after the song? Um,
2: I don't think context will help.
0: Um, well, no, I mean, as far as who it is. No.
2: Who it is. Well, okay, who, who are they? Give me a little talk about the Blake Babies.
0: The Blake Babies is Juliana Hatfield's first band. Back when she was in college, she met up with Frida and John, and they formed the Blake Babies. It was about 86, and um, it was pretty... They wrote the name is because of Robert or not Robert Blake. William Blake. <laughs> <laughs> they they William Blake, so they were Blake Blake babies. So yes. Okay. Juliana Hatfield is the key. All
2: right. So this one apparently came off the two thousand twelve epilogue. Two thousand two. Two yeah. thousand two? Oh, missed yeah. that. Okay, two thousand two. <laughs> The Blake Babies.
0: And this is not typical for them. I mean, they're much more of a, uh, you know, three-minute indie pop kind of thing. And obviously, I love it. I, I bought this uh, sampler when I saw her in 2003 with some girls, and I have it signed down in the basement. Um, but they took it from a different perspective. You know, the original is, is very short and fast, and to the point, this is more of... It's twice the length, and they're taking it from the point of like almost like you are sedated.
5: Yeah, before uh, Mike and Pat rip into this song, <laughs> yeah. you know I, can, I can feel the train of coming. <laughs>
0: um, hey, Mike's
5: I don't think I'd ever prefer this to the original, but I appreciate the fact that they took something familiar and made something entirely different out of it so and i don't hate it it's not my favorite of our covers but uh yeah i don't like as much as joel but i bet i like it a hell of a lot more than the other guys
2: you are correct (laughs) i i i couldn't handle this i i mean i recorded as much as i needed to and then i turned it off i it's not my thing i see part of the thing is like the the initial song i want to be sedated they wrote about they were actually writing about being stuck in great Britain. I think it was over Christmas time for a tour. And there was like nothing going on. They were in great Britain for the first, they're in England for the first time. And they got stuck in their hotel room watching American Westerns on TV. Cause that's the only thing that was going on. Cause everybody was nobody was out and they were writing that song about being sedated because they were so strung up, not being able to get out and do stuff. Um, I appreciate the idea of taking the, taking the whole idea of it and flipping it on its head musically,
4: but it sounds like they've already been sedated.
2: Exactly. (laughs) Yes.
4: Well, then it should be, I'm glad I've been sedated. Not. I want to be sedated.
2: See, see,
0: he's got a concept. (laughs) Well, no matter what. And that's fine. I mean, that's, that's part of the the fun of these shows is that we're going to be disagreeing about things. And of course, obviously you knew I was going to love it. I named my daughter after her. So,
2: I'm
0: your daughter's a name is Blake? No, <laughs> Juliana. <laughs> Juliana Hatfield.
4: Your daughter's <laughs> name is Robert Blake?
0: <laughs> it is. Ass hat.
2: <laughs> All right. So, no, I mean, it's no, Joel, I know your musical taste. Trust me. I, it's, it's and <laughs> I don't think you and I have ever, I mean, I think there's maybe like 10% crossover in between what I listen to. It's a very listen
4: small to. Venn diagram. Right. Yes. Then
0: they might be giants and some so, other stuff. Random.
2: Yeah. Some <laughs> random shit. Um, all right, so Josh came up, took like you said before, you took the bullet for us on this one, um, because it just needed to be on the. Sure, I, I mean, whenever they talk about cover songs, if
5: this is not the number one greatest ever on the list, it's always in the top five.
4: yeah, okay. it's usually either this or the man who saved the man who sold the world.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, and problem. this is. Man, uh, I think of that! God damn it!
4: I thought you were. Gonna, <laughs> I, I swear, I thought you were going to pick that song.
0: Shit snacks. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, so this is hurt covered by Johnny Cash.
3: I hurt myself today to see if I still feel I focus. What have I become, my sweetest friend? Everyone I know goes away in the end.
2: So, yeah, that's an amazing song
5: yeah i i I <laughs> the original, and I thought nobody could do it better and then Johnny Cash is like, "Hold my beer <laughs> <laughs> You I know mean,
4: you, you can feel the sense of <clears throat> regret and shame and everything you know in his voice in this song of a of a life full of things that he wishes yeah. he could take back,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and in this song, most people that are listening who maybe haven't heard it before would have heard it in the Logan trailer over and over. But when this album came out in 2002 and I was like, he's covering what? And there's just all these various songs that he did his take on. I'm like, I don't know what to make of this. And then we started playing it at the record store. And this just I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Pat. I mean, he just it, it was like it was perfectly written for him to take it and make it his own.
2: And this is one of the things that uh, that I recall in an interview with, with Trent Reznor, and they asked him about, you know, Johnny Cash covered your song. And he's like, yeah, it's not my song anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's all him. And it 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 is. It's almost as if this song has been, you know, Trent Reznor made it, and it's been hanging out just waiting for Johnny Cash to, to sing it.
5: Yeah. And this marks the first time in the history of all of our shows when we've done a music show and the same artist has uh, featured in both then and now. And I can mm-hmm. think of no one better than the man in black,
2: yeah nope. now this the whole also this album the american uh the man comes around American Four is an amazing album too, so I mean there's very few songs on there that uh that aren't that don't either are fun to listen to that's sort of, there's a couple of those in there, but most of them it's like hey, you wanna you wanna feel what it's like to somebody use your soul for silly putty um <laughs> listen to this album.
0: Oh, I mean, just look at his take on "Rusty Cage" by Soundgarden. I mean, there's a song that Johnny Cash is going to cover. What? Yeah, he makes it work.
2: Yeah, because he, you know, here's here's the music. You know, I don't I don't even know if he actually even listened to the original ones half the time. He was just like, "All right, I'm, I can do this."
0: Read the lyrics and was like, "Yep."
2: All right, so now we're yeah. coming back around to the top, and my uh, second choice was "Video Killed the Radio Star" by the Buggles for the for the then. And I'm going with Ben Folds Five, covering it off of uh, Whatever and Ever, Amen, uh, back in
1: 2005.
2: All right. I'm a big fan of uh, of um, ben, Vold. ben Folds. Uh, thanks to Joel for turning me on to him. Hey. Let me know. Yeah. Uh, my kids are now, too.
4: There's part of that small Venn diagram.
2: I know. There's there's another one. Uh, my kids are, too. In fact, we have, we have. they like to sing in the back, and we have specific rules about what songs are allowed to sing. <laughs> yes. Um, because they seem to have an unhealthy attachment to uh, One Angry Dwarf and 200 Solemn Faces um (laughs) which they will sing loudly uh you know what i love about this one is it's it sounds first off video killer radio star is not musically is not a difficult song there's nothing amazing going on in there it's very poppy it's very easy very normal chords and you know drum solos and all that uh it's like they were at. It's when I hear them playing this one. It's like, hey, you guys want to do Video Kill the Radio Star? Yeah, give me a second. Let me figure this out. Okay, cool. And then they just did it. That's the way that sounds like, especially when they're doing the, the, uh, the chorus and falsetto and all that. It seems like, and what I love about it is that it seems like they just on a whim. We're like, hey, let's do this song. Okay, cool. And that is also part of Ben Folds' thing is where he will, you know, people will just toss songs to him, and he'll be like, yeah, let's let's try that. You know, see what, see what we can do with that. Oh yeah.
4: And some of his covers are drastically different than the originals, and some of them are just Ben Folds just singing the version that's already out
5: there.
2: So. Yeah, and this is this is Ben Ben Folds singing the version that's already out there, but it's it's that whole feel of just kind of fun goofing around type songs.
5: Yeah. yeah. When I first heard this, I was like, "Well, that's exactly what it said it would be on the package." <laughs> ben <Folds> doing video <laughs> kill the radio star. Yep. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I I love Ben Folds Five. I love Ben Folds. I love his voice. He just always makes me happy whenever I listen to his music, whether it's the sad song or not. And uh, I mean, it's it's just a solid cover. I mean, like I said, it's not reinventing it in any way, but he really didn't have to. It it fit the mold for Ben Folds Five.
2: Yeah, and and you know what? This may okay. This one sound kind of strange, but Ben Folds and Johnny Cash have this thing where they can do a song and make it fun, like "Boy Called Sue." That's a fun, goofy song about killing your dad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a little patricide, never heard of it. But at the same time, they can do, the, you can do something goofy like that. But when they want to do a sad song, I think Johnny Cash and Ben Folds doing a sad song together might kill people. It's Especially when range. you. What's that?
4: I said it's called Range.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's completely. By I'm, the
4: way, do you know who wrote A Boy Named Sue?
2: Um, I'm going to fall back on Chris Christofferson.
4: Nope. It's a good guess, though. Shell Silverstein. Oh, really? Yep.
2: Oh, cool. Neat. Yep. Yeah, I was. I had on. Um, I, I I mentioned this on my on my personal Facebook the other day. as like I was at work and I wanted some pick me up music, and for some reason, uh, uh, Amazon Music decided that I had to hear Brick Benfold's Brick Benfold, uh, the Mister Jones.
4: That sounds, That sounds like a martial arts trick. Ben Folds, Brick,
2: Ben Folds, Brick, <laughs> the, yeah, Brick and Mr. Jones, it just kept there. I mean, like I would skip it and it'd be like, nope, you got to listen to this. I'm like, I'm at work. I don't want to hear a song about it getting fired. Um, <laughs> yeah, I it was like, I think
5: Amazon's trying to kill you. It, it yeah. is, it analyzed your purchase history and decided that you were a threat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So after Ben Folds, we've got you really got a hold on me from Patrick uh, no, from
0: she and him not me
2: haha ah, I, was, I thought she had talent there for a moment um, it's from she and him yeah covering like, Smokey Robinson the miracles
0: like Zoe Deschanel would ever
2: pay attention to Pat oh Aww. well I'm sure she would for a moment and then she would walk away
4: one of these days she's going to return a hair doll back to me I know it
2: <laughs> <laughs> on that note here we go <laughs>
1: I don't like you, but I love you. Seems that I'm always thinking of you. Oh, you treat me badly. I love
2: That's really good stuff.
4: Yeah. I, and this is one of the rare songs that I actually prefer the a live version versus a studio version.
2: I could see that. Say what
5: you want about Zoe Deschanel as an actress, but she's got one hell of a voice. Yeah. I was uh, really surprised. I, I go out of my way to hear her covers ever since I heard her and Joseph Gordon-Levitt do What Are You Doing New Year's Eve a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: You know, I've been the, a big fan of hers, like her entire catalog, her movies, her uh her singing, everything. Uh pretty much her entire career. I've I've followed her for a long time. And I uh, uh Until Good Girl, which is just not very good. It's not a good show. New
0: Girl, hipster. New
4: Girl, yeah, New Girl, sorry.
0: It gets better after the you have to watch a couple seasons, but uh it got much better.
4: I stopped watching it after like four episodes. I was like, "No, oh, this is tripe."
0: Oh, you need to keep watching cuz it gets much better. Um, you know, the thing with she and him is that the music isn't going to change the world and sometimes it gets a little bit, it's a little flat and I don't mean musically. I just mean the music itself doesn't do a lot. It's but
4: yeah, she, they're, they're but, not, they're not exploring boundaries or anything. They're just making good covers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I bought, I bought their um, Christmas album and I enjoy listening to it, but it's one of those things where it's like, it just doesn't have a lot of levels to it, but she's, yeah, she's a very talented woman in general. And uh yeah, I mean that's that, that's a great song for her.
4: I'm not I'm not trying to shit on one of your favorite artists. I really not, but I mean that's honestly exactly how I feel about Juliana Hatfield.
0: And there's nothing wrong with that. I
4: yeah, I, I I just I think she's good, but I don't think there's anything special about her. And, and you know and I'm the opposite way about Zoe. So I you know it,
0: two sides I'm, of the same coin. That's the thing about music. There's something for everybody and everybody's passionate about what they love.
5: Yep. Uh, Patrick's all bumped up on goofers. Thank <laughs> you for that. <laughs> well, we were at that show together. So, yep.
2: Juliana Hatfield quote. All right. All right. So, after this, we've got. Here we go. Mm. So, Tom Jones got his panties in a wad, which probably was a lot of panties, um, yeah. and decided that he needed to cover a bunch of songs, and one of which was Kiss, that he did with The Art of Noise.
1: You don't have to be beautiful. To turn me on I just need your body, baby From dusk till dawn You don't need experience To turn me out You just leave it all up to me I'll show you what it's all about You don't have to be rich to be my girl. You don't have to be cool to rule my world. Ain't no particular sign I'm more compatible with. I just want your extra time and
4: your kiss.
2: I'm not saying I don't like Tom Jones. I am. (laughs) (laughs) Tom Jones is like the drunk uncle at Easter.
4: <laughs> and I don't want to hear that drunk uncle sing.
2: <clears throat> no, because it's one of those like, oh God, he he, he's on karaoke now. I don't know why you would have karaoke at the Easter party, maybe New Year's or something like that. But he's like the he's the oh you know drunk uncle. Oh God, here he goes again for the you know he's reliving the time he was in a garage band for a couple months and you know when he was in college. You know it's but um so so tell me why you like this one, Joel.
0: I don't actually. Um, the, the, the reason that I chose this, well, number one is so I could use Prince's kiss. But um, when this came out, my, my mom, her husband is like the Uber Tom Jones fan, like to a weird level. He loves Tom Jones. And so when this came out, she's like, have you heard Tom Jones's version of kiss? I'm like, "Uh, no. And so she played it for me. And I was like, so that happened.
4: Yeah. Have <laughs> um, you seen the video? It's worse than the song.
0: Yes, I was I was actually watching it in the background. I've been kind of playing the songs that I, in the background, just kind of familiarize since I can have a hard time hearing them. And uh, I, yeah, I, I don't care for it, but it's, it. he did kind of make it his own, but at the same time, it's still the same song.
5: See, that, this is weird because I'm the only one who likes it and I didn't pick it. <laughs> And it's not that I think it's amazing. It's that he makes it so much his own is it feels like an alternate past where Prince somehow covered him. It so feels like something he would have recorded back in his heyday that I actually I want to say I love it on like ironically, but like I appreciate how much it fits with the whole Tom Jones thing. And I don't hate the whole Tom Jones thing. So I kind of like this.
4: I don't I mean, I don't. Hate Tom Jones when he stays in his wheelhouse. But when he tries to, like, you know, do something that is, like, you know, I don't know, more serious, I guess, it's, I just, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't like Tom Jones's, Tom Jones's voice, first of all. It's way too much vibrato and just, I don't think he, his voice is very powerful. I, and I just, I don't know. I mean, stick to what's new, Pussycat, and stop ruining good songs.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh. I, i don't get my stepdad's fascination with tom jones but again music is a very personal thing and if he loves it i support that fully i just i never got especially this take on it just don't get it so
2: there all right now this is the cover that josh heard before hearing the original this is bizarre love triangle by Frente. You have to shout it. Is that... You have to shout it, Frente! Frente! All right, here we go.
1: Every time I think of you, I get a shot right through into a bolt of blue. It's no problem of mine, but it's a problem I find. Living a life that I can't leave behind. There's no sense in telling me... Just a mother who won't set you free But that's the way that it goes And it's what nobody knows And every day my confusion grows Every time I see you falling I get down on my knees and pray I'm waiting for that final moment You say the words that I can't say
4: Okay, I'll go first. Um, okay, as opposed to the Blake Babies' like slowed down and reworked version of "I Want to Be Sedated," I actually like this slowed down, reworked version of a dance song. I think she, I think she's got a, a, a nice, cute, solid voice. I don't think she's you know her voice is anything overly special, which is why she hasn't really done anything other than being in Frente. But this this version doesn't bother me as much as the "I Want to Be Sedated" version does.
5: Yeah, when I first heard this, everything from the uh, slight hint of her Australian accent to the fact that I'd never heard it as a dance song before, like this one captured me immediately. So I was excited when I heard that there was an original and it was so different.
2: This isn't in that same vein as um, uh, Mad World.
5: Yeah, I could hear. It's just, yeah. I could hear that, and plus, like you guys, at least Joel knows that I am actually into Australian folk rock. The Waifs is one of my favorite bands, and I didn't discover The Waifs until years after I discovered Frente, and it's got kind of the same thing going on here.
0: Yeah. Well, and, oh, good. Oh, I was just gonna say, and and to point out, you know, how popular this was. I mean, it peaked at forty nine on the Billboard Hot one hundred in ninety four when it came out, and so i mean there's there's definitely something to it that caught people's ears and it may be the fact that it was a cover of a song that is kind of beloved but i agree with all of what you're saying that uh yeah it's it's a it's a very nice different take on a song that we all know
2: i think part of it is that the as the dance and poppy version from the original but i think it does say something to the lyrics to being able to be converted from a pop dance hit into uh, acoustic guitar sort of ballad, you know, that there's something at root, very good with the, very good with the song and that, that it can jump from genre to genre that way. Or I may just be blowing smoke up my (laughs) ass. No,
4: (laughs) I I thought thought somebody was going to say something. (laughs) I I
5: don't think any of us, like if any of us had disagreed, we would have jumped in. That's you just hit the nail on the head there.
0: No, I'm going to take what you said just now and I'm going to apply that to my last song when we get there because... That's is it, cool.
5: is, the, is the,
4: the, the name of the album actually Marvin the Album? Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah.
2: So, uh, going back to People Are Strange from the Doors was redone by Echoing the Bunnymen on one of the best soundtracks for a movie made. Uh, the Lost Boys, released in 87. And this is the bullet that I took so Josh can take uh, Johnny Cash doing Hurt. Here we go. People are strange when you're a stranger
3: Faces look ugly when you're alone Women seem wicked when you're unwanted Streams are under when you're down When you're strange Faces come
1: out of the rain When you're strange No one remembers your name When you're strange
2: this song is on every road trip mix that I've ever made. Really? Yeah.
5: Interesting. I just love this soundtrack so much. This soundtrack was one of the most important albums of my childhood.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. I think this is one of those that Josh and I are a hundred percent on and give me any song, even the, even to the, to the uh, tuna, sweet Marie or whatever, the, the calliope music on there. I'll listen to that too. Um, yeah,
4: it's, it's a great soundtrack.
2: Yeah, and this is one of two uh, big
5: covers on the soundtrack. I don't know if you guys remember the other one. It's uh, Roger Daltrey's version of "Don't Let the Sun Go yes. Down on Me." Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, that's another amazingly good, good cover. Also, um, I just look. What I like about it is that Echo and the Bunnymen. One, it was kind of a weird take on them. You can't because there, there were this new wave, lips like sugar, uh, that sort of thing. That's like. Love been, Yeah, it's it is a great song, but I I mean, to hear him do, you know, okay when this came out, they're doing the doors. okay And again, it's that odd, but
4: it's it's one of those things where you're like, okay that's brave. Like when somebody covers a queen song.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how much better can you make it? And I think they I think while the doors version has its own characteristics and charm to it, I think this one's just they made it just a little bit tighter.
5: I agree. I, I prefer this version of the song. I like them both, but I give the edge to the Echo and the Bunnyman cover.
4: This is one of those songs that I heard this version before I heard the Doors version. Really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I saw the Lost Boys when it was released in the theater, and I heard the song, and then it was like a couple years later when I got into the Doors, I was like, like oh, they covered this. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And the other thing is, every time I hear this song, my head starts immediately going through the montage of people at the beginning of the movie. Also, I, every single time I see that dude with the with the wearing the cowl carrying the rat.
0: So or the guy with the saxophone and the ripped muscles, he now, still
2: believes, you know, OK, two cool things about that guy. That is actually the musician that's saying that sings it. That's what he looks like. Yeah. And in the new Lost Boys uh, comic book. He's like a hunter. <laughs> he's like, I forget what they call him they They call him like the believer or something like that, something incredibly stupid but well, very was, why so cut yeah, but yeah i uh,
5: I used that song as the backing uh track to a promotional video for my Christian high school that was used uh if, it was from my video production class, and they ended up using it <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, so Patrick yes i think there's only one cover of this song outside of kermit the frog that could possibly be followed up by uh the original um over the rainbow so
6: okay sounds gabby
2: That's yeah,
4: pretty close. That's not, not too close. bad, yeah. 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 Uh, he was known as is uh, a Hawaiian giant, big Samoan guy with a tiny little ukulele. Um, basically, he was the most popular guy in Hawaii since Don Ho, as far as a, you know, just a singer, entertainer. Died at a very young age. I think he was 32, and was only one of uh, three people ever to be interred at uh, the state capitol and the. Ten thousand people came to see him, see his casket after he died.
0: It was he was thirty eight. You were close, yeah.
4: And just, I I think this is you know, like I said earlier, a a cover either needs to be true to the original or completely different. And I think, and, and this is obviously just completely different. Like, whereas the the original "Over the Rainbow" by Judy Garland is full of you know angst and like a longing to be somewhere else. This is just like a like a fun, upbeat, you know, just really well done cover. I like it a lot. Not as much as I like the original, but I do like it a lot.
0: This is another one where uh, at the record store, everybody was coming in clamoring for this thing, and uh, uh, we did, we couldn't keep it in stock, because everybody wanted to hear it. And I was just reading about this, and it said that the version of the song was recorded in 88. It was one take. He called people in the studio at 3 a.m., sat down, played it, and that was it.
1: Hmm.
0: That was all <laughs> she wrote. And that that just is kind of the uh, antithesis of what a great song is is if you know you can take something and and just do it like that and it's such a huge hit i mean then you know you've got something special
2: well and also when 10,000 people show up for your for your funeral um he was you really right.
0: <laughs> oh well yeah part of
2: it he was very big into uh uh hawaiian rights you know he was he was very outspoken on you know the the um people of Hawaii keeping their heritage and keeping their land and that sort of thing. So it's, I mean, he very respected man. So,
5: yeah, I'm just glad to encounter this song in a less sad than usual context. Cause it's such a beautiful song and it's usually set to some video. that's super, super
0: sad. Yeah. Like Sam McLaughlin's angel.
2: Oh, toss this one out there. <laughs> um, what was the first time this one was, uh, set on TV? It
0: was a commercial. Wasn't it like a car commercial or something? Yeah, it was for uh,
2: Toys.com. Oh. Uh, yeah. So, but, no, it, it's, again, great song. I mean, you, it's, it's another, like, I agree with you, Pat. It's, you're taking a almost perfect song and trying to copy it. This is, you know, and he, he put his own spin on it. He, and it fits. I mean, the Somewhere Over the Rainbow with the ukulele and his voice just meshes perfectly.
4: Yeah, I agree.
2: And I will say it is incredibly difficult to play. Because I've got a ukulele, and I was like, oh, man, I totally want to learn how to play this. Oh, my God. Oh, my <laughs> God. So uh, speaking of fun and happy songs. <laughs> so Joel chose earlier. Nope, not Joel. This one's one of mine. No. oh, oh sure.
5: I'm jumping ahead. I missed some oh, yeah. of the love songs. Yeah, not no, bad. no. Yeah. Okay, let's That's, jump uh, ahead. Let's hey, let's point. keep going. Let's go. Yeah. Now, Joel, um, let's not skip Red House Painter. I'm kidding,
2: Joel. Uh, that's all right. We're going to go. So Joel decided he's very much into the covers that are opposite of what the song was originally intended. So I, don't I listened to the song for five and a half minutes before I reached <laughs> well, the point where i like. Well, just started
4: like, singing when, at five and a half minutes.
2: Well, that's the thing. It's like about five and a half minutes. I'm like, I don't think he's going to start singing. I think Joel is punking me. It's I think, like minutes long. Stop it. It's what? 11, it's
4: 11 and minutes. It's 11 minutes.
2: The total song is 11, 11. and a half minutes long, Joel. I got five minutes into it, and I'm like, he, this is... this is." I almost had to double check with you. And then I was like, oh, wait, no. Here, I think I hear a voice.
0: I was trying to make you think that you stopped listening too soon. You're right. <laughs> it's 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 an incredibly long song. You're right. But that's... Yeah. I mean, that whole album is... It literally takes the entire length of one CD. Like the maximum capacity you can fit on a CD is how long that album is. It's like 74 and a half minutes or something yeah,
4: like and that. I don't have a problem with long songs. One of my favorite singers is Meatloaf. So,
2: Yeah, he doesn't make I just, any I just, short just, songs. to
4: listen to an 11-minute song, I, I don't want it to be painful.
2: <laughs> All right. So unfortunately, listeners, you're going to miss the first five minutes of this song because I had to cut to when they actually started singing to pair it up with the original lyrics, so here we go.
1: You think that people would have had enough Silly love song It isn't so Some people want to fill the world With silly love songs
4: talk first
0: what oh me um mm-hmm. i i i unabashed, unabashedly love red house painters first of all i've never um, heard of them although mark Kozelek, who is red house painters has gone on to flip his shit recently and uh his recent sun kill moon stuff is difficult to listen to to say the least um, oh my god
4: yeah if you're saying that it's more different wow that's got to be interesting
0: this stuff Back the stuff back when he was with 4AD, and then when he went on to uh this album on Island, he he just he writes these beautiful songs that are just I mean they're heartbreaking, and and he took a song that is you know is, is for all intents and purposes again using that phrase a very poppy love song to kind of counteract what was being said about Paul McCartney's writing style, and he took it and turned it into you know. Something else. I mean, he, the lyrics lended themselves to a different take on what the meaning was behind it. And I think he was successful, despite what you two are about to say.
2: <laughs> Josh, what do you think about this one? I discovered
5: this song on accident while looking for the song from Mulan Rouge. <laughs> um, and the first time I heard it, I actually kind of hated it. But there was something there that made me give it another shot. And while I don't love it, I don't hate it. This is probably my least favorite of all of the covers. But on a second listen, I did appreciate what they were trying to do. And I was like, okay, I understand where this song fits. This song fits in the independent movie romantic comedy where somebody dies at the scene where somebody dies. And I was like, okay, looking at it from that way, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. And I understand it.
2: Well, for I'm kind of um, yeah. Go I, ahead, go ahead, Beth. Say, for me, it's
4: just it's full of too much slow jazz and emo angst, and I just I I I, I mean, again, not trying to shit on your your choice, Joel, but I unabashedly hated this song.
0: Neither <laughs> of those things, but okay.
4: Well, that, fo- that's what the song is. I mean, it just to to me, like I mean, first of all, the first five five-minute, like. Guitar solo intro, whatever it was, was just really not good. I mean, it was just choppy and and just not flowing. It, it reminded me way too much of bad jazz.
2: I I, I have notes on this song. <laughs> <laughs> the first word I wrote down was pretentious. um Just the and then I I suppose I might have had a better f- feel for this song. If it wasn't one third the length of a sitcom, <laughs> um, it's no, half the length, sitcom. Half, okay, the I, okay, half half the length of this. It's, I just that in that whole lead up intro, it just got. It was like, all right, cool, I get it. You're you're. I go. I get what you're going for this. You know, if it had been like a two minute guitar solo, or whatever. You know, half that time. Okay, cool. It's like it's like the. Um, uh, I want to be sedated. We're doing the opposite. Of I what mean, yeah, the original was.
4: Admittedly, they had lost me during that five minutes. If it had been a little shorter, I might have been a little more open to you know the, the vibe of the song. But I really I mean honestly, I really was like actually frustrated. I'm like, are they ever gonna start singing?
2: hmm Especially when you're sitting there waiting to record it too for the show. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, uh, they're still playing. I just I just it it I you know, Joel, I know this is I don't know if this is the same of like this is what he does in his other songs. I, I'm not familiar with the red house painters at all, but this seems to me to like, when you go out to an open mic night and you get the guy who's music, I'm I'm the musician. He goes up there and he's like all hunched over the guitar and he's playing and he's in his groove and all that. And everyone's like, Oh Christ, you know, let's, <laughs> well, not let's go out and have a cigarette because he's going to be doing this for a little while. Um, I just, I could not, I could not listen to I I will tell you right now, I will never listen to this song again. Not even accidentally.
4: What um what what did you think of this song the first time you heard it, Joel? I
0: like, well I, I love the whole album. I mean the first time I, I put the, the put it on at the record store, um, the very first song caught my attention and I immediately as soon as the whole album was over, I I played it again just because it hit a spot for me and, and does and I I wasn't familiar with the Wings version of it, honestly, until I heard this. And then I went back and listened to it and I kind of got the, you know, the counterpoint point counterpoint to it. Um, And he is, he, he's, he is that guy, but it's who he is in real life. I mean, when he first started playing, he couldn't face the audience when he was singing because he was too nervous. And now he's bought into his own hype and that's kind of the, the problem with what he's doing now but so he, he played with his back to the to the audience uh-huh yep when he first started but now he uh he, he is he, the
2: guy at the coffee shop he believes yeah, he is.
0: the hype that he is you know some sort of uh you know the, what everybody says he is and he's just putting out shit these days unfortunately well,
4: mike and i need to send him an email then <laughs> <laughs> try to deflate that ego a little bit <laughs>
0: I wish somebody would because uh gonna go, we're going to go to one of his
2: concert with the concerts with a box of shoes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the last three albums he's put out have been i I couldn't even listen to him. I just I, I was like, "Wow, what are you doing, Mark? What are you doing?" So Well,
4: I'm definitely right. not going to listen to that then.
0: <laughs> I know if also, you're, you're saying this, this is the
4: gateway drug into that stuff I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to stay
2: away. All right, so following it up to the very end. Josh, yeah,
5: I was wondering why you guys thought this song was completely depressing
2: when I missed Joel's <laughs> entry in
5: the notes.
2: <laughs> all right, so we have Astronomy, that originally covered originally done by um Blue Oyster Cult is covered by Metallica in the Garage Inc uh album that we all thought was released a hell of a lot later than it actually was. Uh 1998. So, here we go.
3: Lesser birds on the four winds, yeah. Like silver scrapes in May. And now the sands become a crust. And most of you have
1: gone away. And you're gone away.
3: Ah, come Susie Dale, let's take a walk. Understand? Never said it all on the map the carry rehears Beyond the clock back there you know that the phones run mm, yeah.
2: That was pretty cool.
5: All right. So this is going to require some story time just in general, because uh, as I may have mentioned at one point or another in the last coming up on what, four years on the show, uh, Metallica is the group I have seen between the, the Master of Puppets tour and the Reload tour more times than any other band live. And uh, Garage Inc., uh, I, I was one of the very few people who was already really into this album when they were on the tour for it. And it is their entire covers album. And this is nowheres near the most popular cover. Uh, it's, this has got uh, Whiskey in the Jar, which is my favorite cover on there. It's got Turn the Page, Tuesday's Gone. But if you're already familiar with the album, you know those covers. Some of them even got radio play. Astronomy is this it's cover of this weird, ethereal sci-fi song that wasn't popular when Blue Oyster Cult did it. And Metallica just transformed it into something else. You've got the cool, weird sci-fi lyrics, but when you mix it with the heavy metal, for me, it just feels like Dungeons & Dragons role-playing game where you've got all of the weird images and the the mysterious Four Winds Bar with the doors that don't go anywhere and the clock, and just like it, it affected me immediately the first time I heard it.
4: Oh, James Hetfield can make anything sound <laughs> cool.
2: So. Oh yeah, and I think in this one he his voice and the the metal behind it, um, it definitely adds to the ambiance of the song. What I what I think needs to happen. I personally think Blue Oyster Cult and Metallica need to tour together and do this song together. Um, That'd be awesome. (laughs) That Actually, would be awesome. I I looked it up. I'm trying to try, you know, because I was like, oh, is Blue Oyster Cult still touring? You know, are they still out there? Yeah. Wednesday, May 24th, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, U.S. Cellular Center.
5: I will admit I would never have appreciated the original song without this version. Uh, This version, in my mind, is a thousand times better. Uh, I did eventually come to love the original. But uh, this this is my definitive version, as far as I'm concerned.
4: I think I think my problem is I just don't like the song, period. And you yeah. know, even though it's Metallica, and I like Metallica very much, I don't know. I just I don't I don't think the lyrics are as good as, as you do. Hmm.
2: So. Well, I mean, the lyrics you got to look at them for what they are. I mean, it's the lyrics are coming from. When when was the, the original? Poem. The original one was done in 1974. Things were kind of trippy.
5: Yeah, it's got a very seventies oh. prog rock feel. This this weird mm-hmm. creature who calls himself Desdenova and walking into clocks and through mirrors. Drugs. Yeah. Drugs. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs>
0: I I, yeah, no. I agree with Pat on this. I don't care for the song as a whole. I think the Metallica version is better than the Blue Easter cult version, but I just I it doesn't do anything for me, unfortunately. Yeah. Whereas Whiskey in a Jar was an amazing cover.
5: I love that song. And it's the obvious one, and I almost went with it anyway. But I just my feel on it was part of this show is wanting to expose people to stuff that we love that they might not know. Obviously, if you haven't heard all of Garage Inc., you should listen to Whiskey in the Jar. You should listen to Tuesday's Gone. You should check out their version of
0: Turn the Page.
4: I think their version of Tuesday's Gone is better than Leonard Skinner's.
0: Well, and that's another thing. Go back to Grad Days Revisited and hear a bunch of other great cover songs that they did of songs yeah. you may or may not know.
5: Yeah, um, yeah. And, and Turn the Page. Uh, I, I think it's even better than the Seeger version and I love the Seeger version. What? No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Plus, <laughs> I turned into Harvey
4: Fierstein all of a sudden. Oh, my God.
0: Oh, click.
5: I got to hear a really <laughs> weird version of their Turn the Page. <laughs> uh, I got to hear live them doing Turn the Page with Kid Rock. Oh, yeah, oh I've he, heard that. He lost me. Oh, dude, that's I, I was not a Kid Rock fan till I saw him live.
4: I, know, I don't
5: like him now, but it, it's, you get a different perspective on seeing the show he puts on. And another different one when you listen to him from the last 10 years.
4: I mean, Bill Cosby is a great comedian. Doesn't mean I have to like him.
5: I get you. No, I don't like him now either. But uh, I, I do have to say that that was a very entertaining live show when he did turn the page with them.
2: Josh, I'm with you on this one. I like it.
4: That you're is, wrong.
2: Yeah, you think so, but I mean this this style of the prog rock stuck from the 70s is kind of what led into the new wave music of the 80s. Yeah, just, it was this kind of transformation. So it's kind of like a you know I'm a big new wave fan. So this is almost like going back to the roots type of thing for me. I enjoy this type of thing. It's you know that goofy story behind it. You know, it's sci fi. All this, you know. You know, almost Major to, you know, not a a little bit Major Tom on acid. Again, Major, major Tom on acid twice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's that sort of thing. You look at the background
5: for what we think of as like D&D music, and it's all like prog rock through classic rock and then into metal. And this kind of blends all of the different musical influences from sci-fi fantasy music. That's why I like it. I'm so into sci-fi fantasy that it just it, it hits the right spot for me.
2: Right. Good stuff. All right. So there you go. And um, if you are looking for it, I am actually going to post the link to our uh, Spotify playlist on the show notes for this also. So if you want to listen to all the songs except for Tom Jones Kiss, for some reason, that's not on Spotify.
5: Huh. Can't figure that
2: one out. If it huh. shows up between then, I'll, I'll put it in there. Now, I'd like you to call us at 708 now
5: wrap. That's 708-669-9727. And normally I'd say, tell us about the stuff we missed out on. But this is definitely a subject we're going to revisit. Mm-hmm. So like, hold your wrath because we didn't get to your favorite cover. Uh, you can give us a suggestion. But uh, keep in mind, this is the first time we decided to cover this. And we realized when putting the show together, there's more here for a second one of these.
2: Oh yeah! In fact, we were talking about making this an annual show, like we do with the uh, the uh, Billboard Top Ten. So, if you like it, let us know. You know, if you have some ideas and some great covers that you that you've loved, uh, definitely let us know. If you want to yell at Joel, and for yeah, any, any g-
4: listen to that song, <laughs>
2: yeah, or any good reason, you know, you can.
4: Yeah, just in general, if you want to yell at Joel. So,
2: but Joel, what are we doing next week? Elmo says,
1: "Fuck
5: you." <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, we are not doing Elmo then and
5: now. (laughs) Uh,
4: Poor Elmo. I'll be doing Elmo. Uh,
5: When we get to the then from then, we might might wish we were. I don't know what's next week.
2: Uh, Look at the show notes. (laughs) Dr. Strange. (laughs) Dr. Strange, yes.
0: It said Doctor Who in the show notes.
2: Did it? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It says Dr. Strange
5: now. (laughs) Yeah, we are going to be looking at the original weird late 70s Dr. Strange movie. God help us. And of course, we're going to be looking at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Doctor Strange. We, we missed it when it was brand new, but we're, we're going back to it now that we have our take on it.
4: And now yeah. that we found the made-for-TV movie, so I don't have to read 200 comic books.
5: Yeah. Yeah, that would be the
2: other way to do the show yeah. is to try and bring Pat up to speed. You think there's only 200 comic books. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wish it was that easy. <laughs> All right. So, everybody, thank you for listening. And oh, you want uh to, you yeah. want
4: to plug episode two hundred real quick again so people know.
2: Yeah, but episode we, we are cur- currently we're at episode 187 in just over ten. We're going to be doing for our two hundredth show, Doctor Who. Um we range all the way from never seen it to <laughs> all the way to I bathe in it daily. Joel. Which is, Joel. <laughs> um <laughs> And uh, Joel's actually done us a, done us a favor and put it together almost like a playlist for us on episodes that we need to see uh, in the old and then in the now. So uh, yeah, look forward to episode 200, and we're going to be finally covering Doctor Who.
4: And 201 is the prisoner. Not <laughs> really.
2: <laughs> All right. So thanks for listening, and that's uh, Red House Painters in case you want to know. <laughs> All right. Good night. Ju- Juliana go bye, bye. Get it, it's the Blake
5: babies
4: uh,
2: uh, Okay.
4: Oh Robert Blake, you murdering toddler.
0: I'm hot you're cold you're young and I'm old zap it a do da day No,
2: but you gotta do it in the robot's voice That would break Pat <laughs> see hes thinking about it and he's breaking
0: I'm hot you're cold I'm young and I'm old zap up do da day pat
3: <laughs> with the lucky Land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere.